The following program comes from Podbean.com, the Syl Stein Author Channel, with author Sylvia Stein. Here we go. author Sylvia Stein and I'm coming to you today through potbean.com and I'm um, and I'm going to bring you another episode today and this is in regards to description um, using the five senses to paint a picture this is another uh, section of a writing tip I'm offering today through potbean.com and the Sil Stein author channel happy Tuesday everyone I hope everyone's having a great day I am coming to you on a rainy, cold day in May here in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina, which is where I'm at. And I want to say hello to all the, those people that lit, tune in every week to listen to my podcast here through podbean.com. You could also download it for free on iTunes. So I hope you'll check it out at the end of this episode. Now, the tune you heard in the background is something new I'm trying out. I'm, I've been working with GarageBand, trying to upgrade a little of my podcast, and I'm still new at it. I'm not very tech savvy when it comes to that, and I'm learning something new, excuse me, every day. I just had my coffee, so I do apologize. Um, uh, I'm learning something new every day with this podcast, and uh, I'm trying to learn how to, you know, add more sounds. The the uh, little song you heard is a guitar intro that I was able to come up with on GarageBand that introduces the show, and I hope you all like it. Anyway, let's get on with it. Um, today is, and of course, uh, again, um, I'm using a new mic. It's a uh, Snowball Blue um, mic that my husband got me for Mother's Day. So a big shout out again to my husband, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Um, uh, and uh, it was a great gift. I got a lot of wonderful gifts for Mother's Day, but uh, of course for my children, cards and everything. But I was very surprised by this mic. Uh, he said, I know you wanted one and I got it. And so far, so good. I tried it last week and I'm working on it this week. So we'll see, you know, hopefully I'll just the, the broadcasting will just get better and better. And I'm excited to hopefully bring in more authors soon to talk to us. So this way you can hear them a lot clearer. And uh, and I and I know I've gotten a really good response with the interviews. So hopefully by in the next few weeks, I'll be bringing in more authors also to talk about their works, share some reviews of books, and etc. But for right now, today we're going to talk about using the five senses to paint a picture. This comes from the... Write great fiction, description and setting, techniques and exercises for crafting a believable world of people, places and events. And this is by Ron Rozelle. And uh, you can find it on Amazon. 
which is where I got mine. This is a paperback edition. And I used it in one of my courses back in uh, when, uh, when I attended Southern New Hampshire University. I graduated last year with a Master's of English in Creative Writing. And, uh, and this book was really, really uh, influential in the, in the work that I did. And I really enjoyed working, you know, learning a lot from this book. And right today, I think sensory description is very important. And today we're gonna focus on page 76 of the paperback, using the five senses to paint a picture. If you don't go, if you don't have this book, once you have money saved up, I suggest you, you know, go out there and get it. It's like I said, write great fiction, description and setting, techniques and exercise for crafting a believable world of people, places and events by Ron Rizal. So I'm gonna begin with what he says here in this section. He begins by saying, have you ever stood in front of a painting in a gallery and gotten hungry? You've looked perhaps at one perfect peach in a still life with just a glimmer of morning sunlight falling on it. It's delicate fuzz caught in the muted illumination, it's plumpness attesting to the sweet nectar and meat inside. You hadn't been thinking of eating a peach before you came across the painting, but now you're giving serious considerations to stopping at the market on the way home and picking up a few. How many times do we not go through that? Especially like when you go out somewhere, in this case, this is a museum and, and these artists, you know, they do make paintings that are so believable, especially the ones that have food in it. And you just keep imagining you want one and you start feeling hungry and you want it, like he says, stop at the market. So he says, you can blame the artist for that. With a mixture of just the right colors and tones and the careful application with a brush, the artist made you realize what the peach would feel like if you could actually touch it, what it would smell like if you could lift it to your nose, and this is what will cost you the trip to the market. What it would taste like if you could bite into it because you wanna, you wanna eat one. In short, the artist is giving you a mental perception of a peach. The better the artist, the better the perception. So he continues by saying, in your writing, you have to do exactly the same thing. You have to describe places and things and people and situations so completely that you actually give them to your reader. If you're good at it, and you'd better be very good at it, if good at it, if you want your fiction to work, then you, like the painter of that peach, might also be responsible for a little inconvenience, a fresh batch of chocolate chip cookies in your story. Their aroma wafting through the house like sweet perfume might just send the reader off to the bakery in search of a dozen. That's what he means. And uh, it's true, like when you're reading a story. The way to do this, he says, is to make use of your reader's five physical senses. Senses, sorry. And sometimes even that mysterious six, when you can relate to the tangible nature of things and places and characters. Then you, the writer, have taken a giant step toward bringing them fully on board. Let's briefly review two important distinctions again. The differences between showing and telling and between literary and popular fiction before we look at ways that can work sensory description in your story. So first, he, he's telling us, you know, 
the you've got to bring in the five senses and sometimes you have to even add a sixth sense so we you know you've got to you know see but you can't until you make them tangible like where you're at where the characters are what you're writing so he wants us to discuss the showing and telling most of us have heard this before when you write a draft and you work on a story and also um, the literary between showing and telling between literary and popular fiction before we look at ways you can work sensory description into your story so let's see what he says showing and telling first think back to the preceding chapter to all that we talked about regarding showing and telling nowhere will all of that be more important than in the use of sensory description saying that something smelled like or tasted like or felt like is always telling sometimes that's fine like following up a long description of a slaughterhouse with a curt proclamation proclamation like this it smelled like death but to simply blurt out that something smelled like death without somewhere showing why it why is ineffective and that makes sense having a rich aroma one wander in his having a rich aroma want wander in is better than saying that it smelled like coffee just as showing why a person's feet hurt is preferable to saying that they do nowhere in your writing would i encourage you more adamantly to show more than you can more than you tell than when using sensory description so Basically, because he mentioned the, the previous chapter, and this is the first time I used this book, I want to talk about what he's talking about by showing and telling. Showing versus telling is a constantly wage war in creative writing, and some of the battles have been fought in my classroom, he says. This is on, on chapter four. So if you want to talk about what he's talking about for showing and telling when he's talking about sensory description you need to go back to chapter 4 page 62 and he talks about the differences about showing and telling and i'm going to give you an example he uses the novel by tony morrison a best-selling author called sula because the difference between showing and telling okay he shows a paragraph that says old people were dancing with little children Young boys with their sisters and the church women who frowned on any bodily expression of joy except when the hand of God commanded it, tapped their feet. Somebody, the groom's father, everybody said, had poured a whole pint jar of cane liquor into the punch. So even the men who did not sneak out the back door to have a shot, as well as the women who let nothing stronger than black draught enter their blood, were tipsy. A small boy stood at the Victrola turning its handle and smiling at the sound of Bert Williams save a little dream for me. So it says here on page this was on read from page 63 of the showing and telling. He says actions speak louder than words. He says the best way to keep your tale from emerging as a report is to mostly show and when you tell to make the telling as carefully wordsmith and polished as the rest of your writing. When to show, when to tell. So on this statement, it says, it talks about 
the distinction between the two. So did you get a feeling of showing on this chapter? She's saying old people were dancing with little children, young boys with their sisters in the church, women who frowned on any bodily expression of joy, uh, except when the hand of God commanded it, tapped their feet. Somebody, the groom's father, everybody said, had poured a whole pint jar of cane liquor into the punch. So even the men who did not sneak out the back door to have a shot, as well as the women who let nothing stronger than black draught enter their blood, were tipsy. Small boy stood at the Victrola, turning his handle and smiling at the sound of Bert Williams' Save a Little Dream for Me. So there he's adding a big description there. He is telling us about what's happening in that chapter. So therefore, we can move on to when he says, saying that something smelled like or tasted like or felt like is always telling. Sometimes that's fine. But to simply blurt out that something smelled like death without somewhere showing why it is ineffective. As we saw in that Toni Morrison sample, the, the author is showing and also telling you what's happening to the men and the women. Meanwhile, the little boy is still listening to the Vitrola is a instrument, kind of like a record, old record player that plays music. And he's listening to the music while smiling and look at, the, at them because they're all, you know, they're all tipsy from drinking the liquor that someone spiked, uh, according to what, you know, what, what that excerpt in uh, Toni Morrison's uh, book is showing us on this chapter. It's called Sula. And that section, you know, you, you notice that the characters are getting drunk and somebody spiked and, or messed with the, um, they poured a whole pint of jar and liquor into the punch. So they spiked the punch. You hear about it, but you know, it's kind of funny. So it's showing there. So, you might recall that I said readers of literary fiction will usually be more tolerant of long passages of description since they are concerned with how the author is working her magic as with what's going on in the story. Readers of popular fiction want the magic worked also, but they want it done more quickly. The plot and its various twists and turns are more important to them than how the story is being unfolded. Look at a couple of examples, one from a literary novel and one from a popular one to help illustrate how to work description into different types of stories. That's what he says in page 77. We move on to page 78. And here are the samples he gives. Here's William Goyen in The House of Breath, a novel that is something of a literary classic of Southwestern prose. A fragile, me melodious oriental language blew in on the wind like the odor of a flower. And we saw the string of smoke from a gypsy camp somewhere in the woods. The sliding of our feet in the road flushed the flutter of wings from the bush. The fields were alive with things rushing and running, winged and legged, things were going where they would. No engine or human to stop them. Out in the fields, under the thick brush and in the grass and green were mire, were mirad unseen small things that were running and resting from running so here if you close your eyes and just listen to it a fragile melodious oriental language blew in on the wind like the odor of a flower 
So here you close your eyes and you can almost smell the flower. That's part of the census. And then it says, and we saw the string of smoke from a gypsy camp somewhere in the woods. So by the vision, you could see that something's coming out of, and there's smoke coming out. Then the sliding of our feet in the rope flashed, flushed the flutter of wings from the bush. So, you know, we're using the descriptions of our senses. We can smell, we can see, you know, all, all, all of our visions are getting, you know, our, we're using all the senses here. Now, let's compare that to Joy Fielding's New York Times bestseller, Whispers and Lies. We continue. And this one's in first person. This is from Joy Fielding's New York Times bestseller, Whispers and Lies. I unlocked the kitchen door and tiptoed outside. The grass cool on my bare feet. A sudden rush of nausea almost overwhelmed me, and I gulped frantically at the fresh air until the feeling subsided. I took several long deep breaths before continuing toward the cottage door. It was then that I heard the sound of laughter from inside the cottage. Clearly Allison wasn't sick, nor was she alone. The literary, so here, just by what you see, you, you don't know, because it doesn't tell you, but what can you envision from this story? The person, unlocks the door and then he he obviously he had a sudden rush of nausea that overwhelmed him and then he couldn't breathe or they couldn't breathe and then they took several deep breaths so you're seeing that something has happened we don't know what it is but we can you can kind of imagine that the Allison has company Apparently, this doesn't sit well with the person telling the story. So it's obviously something. There's some type of betrayal, it seems like, is going on. The re reader of literary fiction is as interested in the first piece, in what the character is seeing and hearing, the intricate details of the sensation, as in where he is going. In the second piece, the character sees and hears and feels things also. But the emphasis this time is on what Allison is up to in that cottage. The reader of popular fiction, he says, uh, Roselle says in his book, doesn't mind at all that the narrator tells her outright that she hears laughter. Someone used, used to reading literary fiction might want to know what the laughter sounds like. One of your first jobs as a writer is to determine which of these audiences you're aiming for and Craft your description accordingly. When writing popular fiction for readers who want that story fairly zipping along, you'll need to keep detailed description to a minimum. So this is basically where we end up today for Ron Rizal's sensory description. Basically, he talks about using the five senses. He, he tells us about how the an artist, a really good artist will make you when you see something like a peach, you know they're a good artist because they've described something that's made you hungry. Then you have it in your mind and you want to taste it because you see it in the painting. And then it's just like in your writing, you need to be more descriptive. You need to show, not just tell. But but the, the best thing that, that uh, 
ties into this is when he talks about, you know, how he's going to show you the difference between showing and telling between literary and popular fiction. And we use the examples of William Goyen in The House of Breath, as he says, the, the reader in the first part says, the reader of literary fiction is as interested in the first piece and what the character is seeing and hearing. The intricate details of the sensations as in when he is going. In the second piece, the character sees and hears and feels things also, but the emphasis this time is on what Allison is up to. So basically what they're saying is, well, we want to hear what kind of laughter Allison has. So that's where it changes. And I also showed you an example of Toni Morrison's um, Zula, where you could see she's showing and telling and describing because she's she talks about the old people were dancing. The, the church women, they were frowning. They were not happy. And then the groom's father had already poured a pint of cane liquor into the punch. So you could see, you kind of envision this. And then uh, basically the women, you know, it says here that as well as the women, basically the bloodstream is showing you that it, it, you can envision this. And it kind of shows you a description of get, them getting pit, uh, tipsy. And then you see the child, you know, enjoying the music, smiling. But the, the while the other older ladies are frowning upon what has just happened. So, you know, that's another intricate part of, of using sensory description. So he ends up with, uh, you know, telling us one of your first jobs as a writer is to determine which of these audiences you're aiming for and craft your description accordingly. When writing popular fiction for readers who want that story fairly zipping along, you'll need to keep detailed description to a minimum. So this is where you decide. And this is why this book, write general, uh, write great fiction, uh, write great fiction, excuse me, description and setting techniques and exercises for crafting a believable world of people, places and events is something I recommend by Ron Rizal, uh, build a believable world. So if, like I said, this is just uh, one of the few tips I, I will bring you more as we go. I hope this was helpful. And again, this is Sylvia Stein signing off from the Sil Stein author channel. Happy Tuesday. And again, this is, uh, the Sil Stein author channel on podbean.com. This episode will be available on podbean.com and also on iTunes for free. You can download it. Have a great, wonderful day.